It is a great pleasure that we return to England again to meet with you folks and fellowship with you. It's been a long road since I left you last. I've been over most of the world. And the Lord has richly blessed us. After leaving here, we went to uh, Hungary and we met with the... Uh, Brother Marshall and I met with the brethren there in Hungary for about three days. And we want to say that uh, with the disfellowship group there, I saw, I believe, or we saw, I believe, the uh, greatest example that I've seen of the church purified. Not a word of criticism, not a word of complaint, but praising the Lord. We... Uh, on, uh, in, in Budapest, uh, the first uh, on the Sabbath, we uh, met with the people there. They had a hundred non-Adventists present. Uh, the room was just uh, wall to wall with people, and uh, it was a great blessing to us. We know that the Lord richly blessed us there. We went upstate to up country and uh, preached to a, another evening to, for about three or four hours to a group up uh, there, and then again it was wall-to-wall people, but never a word of complaint of how they'd been treated. They were praising God. We met with about 32 of their pastors who uh, uh, who were plumbers and carpenters and all, uh, all the trades, but they did their trade in the daytime and did their ministerial work at night and on the weekends. Never been trained in literary institutions, but they loved the Lord and were preaching the real three angels' messages, and we praise the Lord for that. Brother Marshall will be going back up there uh, after this meeting. I believe that he meets next weekend with that Hungarian group. I'll be preaching in Amsterdam. And uh, then we are planning a meeting up in Scotland. But the only thing I want to say this morning is the Lord is good. And Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that? The evidence is overwhelming that we are living in the very last minutes of our world's history. And what we do, we must do very quickly. And so it keeps us on the road continually. I'm hardly ever home. I get home for two or three days, and then I'm on an airplane going someplace again. And marvelously, the Lord is, uh, is, keeps our health and our strength up so where we can keep preaching might just give you a little um, review of Hope International and what we are doing there. We, The Firm Foundation magazine, how many are getting the magazine? Let's see your hand. Praise the Lord. The um, magazine is going out 35000 a month, and uh, we have just um, uh, voted in our committees to put it into the hands of every or English-speaking ordained minister in the world. Uh, for a year and a half now, the ministry and the leadership have been receiving it free in North America. Now we we've, uh, we've, uh, are sending it to those in, uh, in uh, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, New Guinea. There's about uh, almost a thousand ordained ministers in that group. Uh, we are sending it now overseas to every division. And uh, we've just talked to Richard. We want all the ordained ministers in this division to be getting it free. And so we're going to work it out here with your committee while I'm here. For we believe that it's important that our ministry begin to understand and see what real Adventism is all about. 
we are we have voted to put in a uh, a special insert into the 10,000 that will go to the workers every month called landmarks and this landmarks will be dealing with specifically with things that deal with the ministry uh, such as update on on religious liberty and uh, uh, different things sermon outlines and different things there'll even be a section there uh, for ministers wives so this will be inserted into the firm foundation magazine as it goes up the lord is richly blessing us we are on three hours a week now on television and across north america and the Lord is blessing our, our um, correspondence school. We have a number of hundreds of people that are taking our correspondence course. A number of baptisms have taken place. We have with us uh, Larry Roby. Uh, would you stand, Larry? Larry is uh, a chaplain in a, in a couple of prisons in uh, California. And uh, we're going to be asking him to join us very shortly and to uh, begin to train people how to work in prisons. Um, we're going to have Larry speak to us here uh, before the weekend is over with. He's had some marvelous experiences, some marvelous conversions in prison. And, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, remember there, said, you visited me in prison. And the answer was, well, when did we do this? Uh, I think that we've got to realize that God has his people in prison, too, and some of us may be there before it's all over with. So um, we, we believe without a question that God is richly blessing us. The, the situation that is existing at Hope now, we have 45 people on our staff. And it is growing. Uh, we are building a school or starting to build a school at the present time that will train medical missionary coal porters, Bible workers, and lay pastors. And uh, we're hoping that the... The, this construction will start very soon. It's taking us a year and a half to get the permits, but finally it looks like they're going to be placed into our hands and we'll start up with a building. All the material has been donated. Uh, we've got about uh, five semi-loads of lumber that has been given to us. It's on hand. There's one more to come. And uh, we've just finished building our own video studio, so we'll be able to make our own videos and... Uh, the Lord is richly blessing. Thought you'd like that little report this morning of how things are going for us. <clears throat> there is going to be more Seventh-day Adventists lost because they didn't keep the Sabbath holy than any other reason. Tragically, many of us here came into this message. We love the message. We've gone to church faithfully. Every Sabbath day, we've paid our tithe, our offerings. We love the Lord. But tragically, many of our people have never learned to keep the Sabbath as God intended the Sabbath to be kept. And I say again that There'll be more Seventh-day Adventists lost because they didn't keep the Sabbath holy than any other reason that I can think of. I'd like to have you take your Bibles now and turn to Isaiah 56.
And we're going to read from the sixth verse. Also the sons of the strangers that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, every one that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taking hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all of my people. And so there is a real special blessing that comes with the Sabbath hours. I'm sure that every one of you here are, love the Sabbath, or you wouldn't be present this morning. But we want to bring you today uh, uh, the outline that God has given to the Seventh Adventist Church in how this beautiful day should be kept. In uh, the 58th chapter and the 13th and 14th verse, we turn to a very familiar text. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from, <clears throat> from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own word. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So we find in these verses a word that God has given, a direction that God has given exactly how we should keep the Sabbath. It says that we shouldn't do our pleasure on that day. It says that we should call the Sabbath a delight. It says that, should be, <clears throat> that we should honorable and shall honor him and not doing thine own ways nor finding thine own pleasures nor speaking thine own words. So what it says is that we need, through the Sabbath hours, we need to be so carefully tuned in <coughs> to Sabbath keeping, to heaven, that Jesus has control of every thought, every word, and every action during that day. Now, Sabbath-keeping doesn't start when the sun sets on Friday night. We must be preparing for the Sabbath all through the, through the week. When the Sunday morning comes, there must be a plan made exactly how we're going to meet the Sabbath day. And as we plan through the week, then we will find that when the sun goes down on Friday night, that we have been more than ready, that the family is gathered around the family altars, songs are being sung, and there is prayers being made. And uh, the blessing of the Lord begins to, to, to come into such a family, and they are thrilled as the children and the husband and the wife and the, begin to worship on that day, because Sabbath is worship. Now, in volume 6 of the testimonies on page 350 and onward to those who keep 
holy, the Sabbath day, it is a sign of sanctification. True sanctification is harmony with God, oneness with Him in character. It is received through obedience to those principles that are transcript of His character. And the Sabbath is a sign of the obedience. He who from the heart obeys the fourth commandment will obey the whole law. He is sanctified through obedience. And so over on 353, we read another. <clears throat> this 352, the true Sabbath is to be exalted to its rightful position as God's rest day. In the 58th chapter of Isaiah, it has outlined the work which God's people are to do. They are to magnify the law and make an ornament to build up the old waste places and to raise up the foundations of many generations. To who those who do this work, God says, Thou shalt be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath the light, holy the honor. Holy the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasures, nor speaking thine, then shall I delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high place of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. The Sabbath question is to be the issue in the great final conflict in which all the world will act upon. And over on 353, in establishing new churches, ministers should be careful and give careful instruction as to the proper observance of the Sabbath. And then, down the page, all through the week, we are to have the Sabbath in mind, to make making preparation to keep it according to the commandments. Daily, it will be in be their prayer that the sanctification of the Sabbath may rest upon them. Every day they will have the companionship of Christ and will exemplify the perfection of his character. And on 355, many need instruction as how they should appear in the assembly for worship on the Sabbath. They are not to enter the presence of God in the common clothing worn during the week. All should have a special Sabbath suit to be worn when attending service on God's house. While we should not conform to worldly fashions, we are not to be indifferent in regard to our outward appearance. We are to be neat and trim through without adornment, though without adornment. The children of God should be pure within and without. On Friday, let the preparation for the Sabbath be completed. See that all the clothing is in readiness and that all the cooking is done. Let the boots be blacked and the baths be taken. It is, it is possible to do this. If you make it a rule, you can do it. The Sabbath is not to be given to the repairing of garments, to the cooking of food, to the pleasure-seeking, or to any other worldly employment. Before the setting of sin, let all the secular work be laid aside and all the secular papers be put out of sight. Parents, explain your, your work and its purpose to your children and let them share in your preparation to keep the Sabbath according to the commandment. We should jealously guard the edges of the Sabbath. Remember that every moment is sacred and holy time. Whenever it is possible, employers should give their workers the hours from Friday noon until the beginning of the Sabbath. Give them time for preparation that they may welcome the Lord's day with quietness of mind 
By such a course you will suffer no loss, even in temporal things. Some months ago, I was <clears throat> in the Loma Linda area, California, and a doctor friend of mine that used to be in Africa with us, I was there in their home, and uh, I was thrilled when the sun was before the sun was setting. This family was gathered around the dining room table singing songs of praise of about a half an hour before the sun went down. And it was all a cappella. They didn't have the piano playing. They just had a cappella song. Hymn after hymn was sung. The young people were there lifting their voices in praise. And then as the sun had gone down, then there was kneeling around the the family altar and prayers were made. And I thought how wonderful it would be if every Seventh-day Adventist home had, uh, had followed this type of pattern that God had given. Friends, I believe if we, the Adventist church had to follow this pattern that we'd have been out of this world before now. But because we have forgotten the Sabbath and its sacredness, that it, to a great degree we have lost the blessing that God intended the Sabbath to bring to the church. And therefore we find uh, the type of business being carried on on the church steps talking about this thing and the other thing. And you find in churches where farmers are, they're talking about crops and, and businesses going, uh, talking about business and things of this nature. And the blessing is lost. And so I say, before this church can fulfill its great commission that God has given to it to take this message of the third angel to the world, this Sabbath, my friends, we must learn that Sabbath keeping is what we must have before we can be trusted with eternal life. If we haven't learned to keep the Sabbath here, we will never learn to keep the Sabbath there. Do you believe that? Now, in uh, <clears throat> volume 2, page 704, 703 and 2, when the Sabbath commences, we should place a guard upon ourselves, upon our acts and our words, lest we rob God by appropriating to our own use the time which is strictly the Lord's. We should not do ourselves... <clears throat> nor suffer our children to do any manner of all our own work for a livelihood or anything which could have been done on the six working days. Friday is the day of preparation. Time can then be devoted to making the necessary preparation for the Sabbath and to thinking and conversing about it. Nothing which will in the sight of heaven be regarded as a violation of the Holy Sabbath be left unsaid or undone to be said or done upon the Sabbath. God requires not only that we refrain from physical labor upon the Sabbath, but that the mind be disciplined to dwell upon sacred themes. The fourth commandment is virtually transgressed by conversing upon worldly things or by engaging in light and trifling conversation. Talking upon anything or everything which may come into the mind is speaking our own words. Every devi deviation from right brings to us the end of bondage and condemnation. Ministers of Jesus should stand as reprovers to those who fail to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. They should kindly and solemnly reprove those who engage in worldly conversation upon the Sabbath and at the same time claim to be Sabbath keepers. They should encourage devotion to God upon His holy day. 
So friends, I pray that this Sabbath that you will watch your conversation. And when your mind suddenly begins to wander away into things of the, uh, the secular, then immediately bring your mind back to the, to the spiritual. It takes training. The mind must be trained and disciplined. And this is one of the great problems that we find in the Christian life is that so many of our people have never disciplined their minds. They think upon anything and everything, and they talk about anything and everything, because if you are letting your mind go in a different direction from one Sabbath keeping, then your lips will begin to speak what your mind is talking about. And so the Sabbath is a sacred day. We remember back in history as we look at the days in the days of Jeremiah. You remember when Jeremiah was there and the people were polluting the Sabbath with their type of merchandise. And then finally, because of Sabbath breaking, finally they went into captivity. Because, of course, Sabbath breaking is rebellion against God. You agree? Sabbath breaking is rebellion against God. And their, the rebellion that the ancient church had was expressed in Sabbath breaking. And as a result of their Sabbath breaking, they went into captivity. And then, <clears throat> because of their captivity, they came out of captivity and they determined that they were going to set up enough rules and regulations that they wouldn't break the Sabbath anymore. And so when Christ came upon the scene, we find that uh, there were so many rules and regulations on Sabbath keeping that it almost became ridiculous. I mean, you could, uh, you could walk a certain distance and then eat a, a little lunch and then you could walk another Sabbath day's journey. And uh, they just kept on doing that until they could arrive at their destination. And uh, you remember when Jesus walked through the cornfield and he began to rub a little corn, thrash a little corn in his hand and eat it. I mean, immediately they said, hey, look what he's doing. He's harvesting on the Sabbath. So the mind became distorted uh, about what the Sabbath thing, and there was no blessing. The Jews sat in their homes, looking out their windows to see if the sun was going down because they wanted to get back to their secular affairs. And they lost the Sabbath blessing. And because of that, my friends, their mind was so distorted and turned away from spiritual things that when Jesus came upon the scene, they couldn't understand it. And they couldn't understand Jesus, and so they crucified him. Now, I believe that we have followed in the very footsteps of ancient Israel. In volume 5, on volume 5, page, uh, on page 94, It says this, the sin of ancient Israel was in disregarding the express will of God and following their own way according to the leadings of unsanctified hearts. Modern Israel are fast following in their footsteps and the displeasure of the Lord is surely resting upon them. And you turn over to 160 of the same volume, volume 6, volume 5. It says, Satan's snares are laid for us as verily as they were laid for the children of Israel just prior to their entrance into the land of Canaan. We are repeating the history of that people. 
lightness and vanity and love of ease and pleasure and selfishness and impurity are increasing among us. There is need now of men who are firm and fearless in declaring the whole counsel of God, men who will not sleep as do others, but watch and be sober, knowing as I do the great lack of holiness and power, <clears throat> holiness and power with our ministers, I am deeply pained to see the efforts of self-exaltation, if they could but see Jesus as he is, themselves as they are, so weak and inefficient, so unlike their master, they would say, if my name may be written in the obscurest part of the book of life, it is enough for me, so unworthy I am of his notice. Satan's snares are laid for us just as verily as are laid for the children of Israel just prior to the entrance of the land of Canaan. We are repeating the history of that people. And so what has happened to us, what has happened to us as the Jews got themselves into Sabbath breaking, the Seventh Adventist Church has now followed in the same footsteps, and we have got ourselves into Sabbath breaking, and therefore we are not receiving the blessing that God has planned to all that keep the Sabbath holy. Now, where there were you, friends, where you have the truth and you do not live the truth, instead of the blessing that the Lord has for the Sabbath, then the cursing will be ours. If you read in Deuteronomy 28 and Deuteronomy 11, you will find there that it says that there is a curse. It says, Behold, I set before you a day, this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, Thou shalt put the blessing upon, thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. So there is a curse for Sabbath breaking, and there is a blessing for Sabbath keeping. Now, as we begin to understand that the Sabbath becomes the seal of the living God, those that keep the Sabbath holy are going to receive that seal which gives them entrance into the kingdom of God. As you read here in Testimonies to Ministers 445 and 446, it says, Those that overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil will be the favored ones that will receive the seal of the living God. Those whose hands are not clean, whose hearts are not pure, will not have the seal of the living God. Those who are planning sin and acting upon it will be passed by. Only those who in their attitude before God are filling the position of those who are repenting and confessing their sins in the great antitypical day of atonement will be recognized and marked as worthy of God's protection. The names of those who are steadfastly looking and waiting and watching for the appearing of their Savior most earnestly and wishfully than they who wait for the morning will be remembered with those who are sealed. Those who, while having all the light of truth flashing upon their souls, should have works corresponding to their vowed faith, 
but are allured by sin, setting up, up idols in their hearts, corrupting their souls before God, and polluting those who unite with them in sin, will have their names blotted out of the book of life and be left in the midnight darkness, having no oil in their vessels with their lamps. Unto, thou, unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. The sealing of the servants of God is the same that was shown in Ezekiel's vision. Now, if we turn to Ezekiel, the ninth chapter, and we begin to understand what the sealing is all about. It says in the sixth verse, Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women, and come not near the man of whom the mark, and begin at my sanctuary, and they begin at the ancient men which were before the house. In volume three of the testimonies, on... The true people of God who have the spirit of the work of the Lord and the salvation of souls at heart will ever view sin in its real sinful character. They will always be on the side of the faithful and plain dealing with sin which easily beset the people of God, especially in the closing work for the church, in the sealing time of the 144,000 who are to stand without fault before the throne of God, Will they feel most deeply the wrongs of God's professed people? This is forcibly set forth by the prophet's illustration of the last work under the figure of men, each having a slaughter weapon in his hands. One man among them was clothed with linen and with a writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for the abomination that be done in the midst thereof, who are standing in the council of, who are standing in the council of God at this time. Is it those who virtually excuse wrongs among the professed people of God, and who murmur in their hearts, if not openly against those who reprove sin? Is it those who take their stand against them and sympathize with those who commit wrong? No, indeed, unless they repent and leave the work of Satan in oppressing those who have the burden of the work and holding up the hands of sinners in Zion, they will never receive the mark of God's sealing approval. They will fall in the general destruction of the wicked, represented by the work of the five men bearing slaughter weapons. Mark this point with care. Those who receive the pure mark of truth wrought in them by the power of the Holy Ghost, represented by a mark by the man in linen are those that sigh and cry for the abomination that be done in the church. Their love for purity and their honor and glory of God is such that they have so clear a view of the exceeding sinfulness of sin that they are represented as being in agony, even sighing and crying. Read the ninth chapter of Ezekiel. So, friends, the... The seal of the living God has something to do with our Sabbath keeping. But, my friends, the test is going to come 
to those who do not keep the Sabbath holy. Listen to this in volume 7 of the commentary, 976. We read this inspired statement. Already preparations are advancing and movements are in progress which will result in making the image to the beast. Events will be brought about in the earth's history that will fulfill the predictions of prophecy for these last days. The Lord has shown me clearly that the image of the beast will be formed before probation closes, for it is to be the great test for the people of God by which their eternal destiny will be decided. This is the test that the people of God must have before they are sealed. All who prove their loyalty to God by observing His law and refusing to accept a spurious Sabbath will rank under the banner of the Lord God Jehovah and will receive the seal of the living God. Those who yield, <clears throat> yield the truth of heavenly origin and accept the Sunday Sabbath will receive the mark of the beast. How many Sabbath keepers, Seventh-day Adventists, have said, well, we don't have to worry because we go to church on Sabbath. But my friends, there are going to be many Sabbath keepers or so-called Sabbath keepers that will, be, that will be go to church on Sabbath but will receive the mark of the beast. Because unless we have learned to keep the Sabbath as the Sabbath should be kept, that's what will happen to us. We will keep receive the mark of the beast unless we are keeping the Sabbath absolutely as God intended it to be kept and receive the blessing of that day, we will receive the curse. Reading from uh, the Review and Herald, Volume 1, uh, on the, uh, uh, January 11th, 1887, begin at my sanctuary, and they begin at the ancient men which were before the house. If the warnings which God has given are neglected or regarded with indifference, if you suffer sin to be cherished, you are sealing your soul's your soul destiny. You will be weighed in the balances and found wanting. Grace, peace, and pardon will be withdrawn forever. Jesus will have passed by never again to come within the reach of your prayers and entreaties. While mercy still lingers, while Jesus is making intercession for us, let us make thorough work for eternity. Amen. So today, my friends, is a special day. It is a holy day. It is a day in which we have an opportunity to meet Jesus, to meet God, to worship in his presence. And Sabbath means worship. And we should approach that Sabbath with such solemnity and carefulness that everything in our household is in preparation. That the children are carefully instructed. That the clothes are washed and that everything is right in the house. And what isn't done on when the sun is setting, my friends, shouldn't be done. And as I said, Sabbath keeping begins on Sunday morning when you begin to plan your day of how you're going to meet the Sabbath. And there, I would say, almost there is absolutely no excuse for not being ready for the Sabbath. Yes, there might be an emergency. Something might happen. But I have been in homes, my friends, where the poor mother, because of the non-cooperation of the family, an hour after the sun was setting, she was still racing around the house trying to get things in order. 
And as far as God was concerned, uh, you know, it, she, you might as well have been out mowing the lawn on Sabbath. As far as God is concerned, it's just as much to break the Sabbath by still doing things inside the house as if you were on the outside doing something on Sabbath morning. And I think that the solemnity of that day has been lightly regarded. I think the tragedy that our ministers have not, in, have not preached on this subject and not prepared those who were getting ready for baptism of exactly how a Sabbath should be kept and the solemnity of that day, how that they should approach that day. You remember the Day of Atonement, of how they prepared themselves for that day. For three days they cleaned the camp. There wasn't a speck of dirt or anything around in their, their tents. Everything was in order. Their clothes were washed and clean. All sins were confessed. And when the Day of Atonement began, they approached it with such fear and trembling because they knew that if there was any sin in them, they were be cast out. Now, the same solemnity that the church approached the Day of Atonement is the same solemnity in which the church should approach the Sabbath. Am I right? We should approach every, every Friday and knowing that when that, before that sun is down, that everything in our homes are ready, that our lives are ready, that sins are all made right. If there has been confusion in the home, if there's been sharp words spoken, then all confessions need to be made, and everything is right. And when the sun is setting, the family is gathered around the family order of singing hymns and praying, and there comes a blessing out of heaven into that home in which their, their souls are enriched. And that home, my friends, that home, if they continue to worship that way every Sabbath day, I can promise you that they'll worship one day in heaven together on the Sabbath day. But if we do not learn the solemnity the, 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 that goes with the Sabbath hours, the, if we are not hungering and thirsting after righteousness, if we do not look forward to the Sabbath as a day, not a day to go to church and then go home and go to sleep, which most Seventh-day Adventists do, and wait for the sun to set like the Jews did so they can go on with their secular work and turn on the television. Unless we worship on that day as God has expected, what should we do on the Sabbath? The Sabbath should, yes, a short nap, but then, my friends, the Sabbath is to be used to witness to the power of God and what He's doing in your life with a living testimony. And the children should be taught that on Sabbath afternoons that they have literature and that they go door to door and they begin to tell uh, <clears throat> their neighbors and give their neighbors the, the, the message of this great message that God has given into the hands of this church. Amen. But the tragedy is that young people are growing up today without the family altar. Yes, they go to church because they're regimented to go to church. And usually on Sabbath morning, it's a mad race because um, everybody's overslept. 
And so breakfast is hurried through and no prayers are made and, and father's in the car honking the horn and, and the, the, uh, the children are run out and the mother comes out less and they get in the car and sharp words are spoken and they drive, you know, to church in haste and they're late. And every type of conversation they meet as they walk up the steps and in the halls and as they go into the, the sanctuary, I mean, people are whispering and talking and little children running up and down the aisles. Friends, one of the great sins in the Seventh-day Adventist Church is irreverence. Great sin of irreverence almost in every Seventh-day Adventist Church. One of the things that I saw on the mission field when I was a missionary in Africa was that the old missionaries had really taught the African how to worship. In a mud pole church, on Sabbath morning, the, the, the Africans come in and they kneel down and pray as they come into the church. And there is not a lot of noise and confusion. Children are not allowed to run up and down the aisles. And people do not whisper and talk. I think that if we, uh, if we understood our relationship to the mighty God, a God who can speak and it is done, who can command it and stand fast, a God who loves us so much he sent Jesus into this world and took upon himself human flesh, fallen human flesh, incarnate in, human, in a human body, and risked everything, my friends, so that we might have eternal life. When we walk into a church, my friends, that is a place where God has designated that he should meet his people on Sabbath morning. But when we come in uh, casually and talking about this and talking about that and lean over and talk to our neighbors and things like this, friends, we are desecrating the sanctuary that God has ordained should be set apart for his worship. the solemnity of coming into the house of God and kneeling in his presence and, and praying and talking to God through the Holy Spirit listening to the voice and then the message comes oh friends if we do not learn to worship and be reverent here we'll never learn we'll never worship and be reverent in the, in, in the sanctuary above. And so how important it is today that we learn reverence for God and His, and His, and His uh, tabernacle, that we walk in there carefully and prayerfully, that all sins are made right. And as we stand, as we sit in our pew, even though, friends, that the sermon may not have been prepared in such a way that it uh, brings the absolute truth, at least we can sit there and know that God is speaking to our hearts, even though the minister may be speaking a message that is not of God. We've got to be in an attitude of worship. Begin at my sanctuary, and they began at the ancient men which were before the house. If the warnings which God has given are neglected or, reg or regarded with indifference, if you suffer sin to be cherished, you are sealing your soul's destiny. You will be weighed in the balances and found wanting. 
in uh, volume 8 of the testimonies page 247 this startling inspired statement in the balances of the sanctuary the Seventh-day Adventist Church is to be weighed she will be judged by the privileges and the advantages that she has had. If her spiritual experience does not correspond to the advantages that Christ at infinite cost has bestowed on her, if the blessings conferred have not qualified her to do the work entrusted to her, on her will be pronounced the sentence found wanting. By the light bestowed, the opportunity is given, she will be weighed. So in the balance of the sanctuary, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is to be weighed. She will be judged by the privileges and the advantage she has had if her spiritual experience does not correspond to the advantage that Christ at imminent cost has bestowed upon her. If the blessing conferred have not qualified her to do the work entrusted to her, on her will be pronounced a sentence found wanting. Now, friends, that sealing angel will soon begin his work. As you read in volume 6, volume 6, page, volume 6, page 130, the Holy Spirit is at work. Divine agencies are combining with the human in reshaping the character according to the perfect pattern. And man is to work out that which God works in. Will we as a people do this God-given work? Will we carefully heed all the light that has been given, keeping constantly before us the one object of fitting students for the kingdom of God? If by faith we advance step by step in the right way, following the great leader right, the light will shine along our pathway and circumstances will occur to remove the difficulties. The approval of God will, will give hope and ministering angels will cooperate with us bringing light and grace and courage and gladness. Then let no more time be lost in dwelling upon the many things which are not essential and which have no bearing upon the present necessities of God's people. Let no more time be lost in exalting men who know not the truth, for the time is at hand. There is no time now to fill the mind with theories of what is popular called higher education. The time devoted to that which does not tend to assimilate the soul to the likeness of Christ is so much time lost for eternity. This we cannot afford, for every moment is freighted with eternal interest now. Now, when the great work of judging the living is about to begin, shall we allow unsanctified ambition to take possession of the heart and lead us to neglect the education required to meet the needs in this day of peril? In every case, the great decision is to be made whether we shall receive the mark of the beast or his image or the seal of the living God. Friends, no one knows when the judgment of the living is to begin. But let me tell you this. From all the evidence that I have seen over the last year, you see, there came a day in Cain's life where God could do nothing more for Cain. 
And we came to the day in the antediluvian world that when the door went shut by an unseen hand, that the door was forever shut. No man could open it. There came a day when the God could do nothing more for the antediluvians. There came a day in Esau's life where the door went shut and God could do nothing more for Esau. If you look at the book of Hebrews, it said he sought it with tears and it was to no avail. You look at the Jewish nation, if you read the Desire of Ages 3, 24 and 25, she said there came a day when the door was shut for the, for the, the Jew, Jewish nation. Again, you look at uh, Selected Messages, Volume 1, page 63. She says there, she lists all of these different things that I have just said, and then she talks about 1844. Those that went back into Babylon or those that stayed in Babylon, the door was shut and God could do nothing more for them. And I believe that we have evidence today that the door is shutting for many people. I believe that soon the sealing angel will begin his work. You see, the shaking is on. The shaking goes in three phases. Phase one is false theories. You can read that in Testimonies to Ministers 112 and Volume 5, 707. The phase two is the straight testimony. You can find that in early writings 270 and also in volume 1, 181 through 187. And phase three will be persecution. And you can read that in 2 Timothy 3.12. It says, those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. And you read in Great Controversy 48 there that there will come a time when the, uh, the, the shaking, the final shaking, will bring in persecution. Now, if you look very carefully, you will see that phase two is brought in because of phase one. False theories have come into the Seventh-day Adventist church, and now God says we have to have the straight testimony. And as the straight testimony is given, phase three comes in persecution. And I believe that phase two and phase three go hand in hand together to the end. And I believe that we're in phase two now, and I believe phase three is already developing. And I think that we're going to see that the shaking and the sifting of the Adventist church is on. And when Ellen White wrote in volume 5, 136, she said there that the majority will reject us and join the ranks of the enemy. The majority. Now... She says that this will be our test. When champions are few, this will be our test. We must gather warmth from the coldness of others. And that, my friends, means that we must have a close relationship with God every day of our life. We read in volume 8, page 41, there that she said, standard after standard was left to trail in the dust, and company after company uh, joined the ranks of the foe, and tribe after tribe from the world came in to replace them. My friends, that is, gives us a picture of the final phase of the shaking. And uh, it says companies leave and tribes greater than companies come in and replace them. And I believe that we are soon to see that final phase. And my friends, we must be absolutely sure today that we are preparing our souls so that we will not be shaken out. 
You may say, well, I could never accept anything but the Adventist doctrine. I could never go to church on Sunday. But let me tell you, friends, everyone that is not sealed with the seal of the living God will go worship on Sunday. Did you realize that? Everyone that doesn't receive the seal of the living God. In fact, you look at the Review and Herald Articles, Volume 1, page 405. She makes it very clear that some of our ministers will tell our people to go worship on Sunday. I see this is going to happen, my friends. Because if your heart is not right with God, if you do not have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the latter rain, there is only one other place to go, and that is to go with the work. And go, and rather than receive the persecution that is bound to be uh, to come to God's people, they will join the ranks of the enemy and become the worst persecutors of God's people. You read in Selected Messages, Volume One, One Twenty Two. She says, "We have far more to fear from within than from without." And you read in Volume Five, Four Sixty Three. She says again there that our worst persecutors will be apostatized Seventh Day Adventists. So, our only hope today is to prepare our souls because, let me tell you, friends, the end is much nearer than our minds can comprehend. Do you believe that? The end is much nearer than our minds can comprehend. I said many of these things a year ago to you, but let me tell you, the evidence is, 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 is multiplying every day that the end is here. The world. I mean, uh, you've got the two strongest leaders in the world today, United States and Russia, and they're constantly meeting together, and they're saying, peace, 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 peace. And uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 3, it says, when they cry peace and safety, sudden destruction comes. And it is only the hand of God today, my friends, that prevents that destruction from happening now. And the only reason God is waiting is because he's waiting on us. He's waiting for us to get our characters right so that he can trust us with eternal life. He needs a great mass demonstration of what God can do in fallen human beings by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's waiting for his people to get that experience in their lives that they might seek for him with all their heart and soul and mind and body. If ye seek me, ye shall find me when ye shall search for me with what? All your heart. Anything less than that is going to be lost. And we're at the most crucial hour in the history of, uh, of the church today. There has never been a moment like now. We see the tremendous evidence within that Jesus must do something soon. For tragically, we find that we have to meet here today rather than in an Adventist church. That you can preach anything but truth almost in the Adventist uh, pulpit today. And when truth is preached, there is tremendous opposition to that truth. And this may be one of the, the greatest reasons of, of the nearness of our coming of our Lord. And so, friends, I beseech you with all my heart, get ready, get ready, get ready, because probation's hour will soon close. 
If you find that you haven't been keeping the Sabbath as the Sabbath should be kept, then you must go home after this Sabbath, and my friends, next Sabbath you be prepared to meet that day. You make every preparation. You get the family around you. If you haven't established a family altar, establish your altar and bring the family together. Instruct the children. Make sure that they understand how to keep the Sabbath. Now, tragically, children have been left in kind of limbo on Sabbath afternoon. And all the energies that children have, they have not, those energies have not been used properly. Mothers and fathers should, when it's, the weather is, uh, is profitable, should take their children into nature and explain the beautiful, beautiful things and teach them that, uh, what the, the, uh, the different names of trees and, and animals and things like that. We can do so much for our children and teaching them about eternal life as we present them every Sabbath before the Lord in worship and teach them how to worship the great God of heaven. And then, friends, as we go into the church, let's be sure that our own conduct is such that we can, be, uh, we can honor the Lord. Let's be sure that our conversation is such that we can honor the Lord. Let's be sure that our own minds are such that we can honor the Lord. And that we approach that sacred day with such reverence that the blessing of God comes down into the home around a family altar and all through the day we are constantly remembering the sacredness of that day and that our conversation is such that God will honor each one of us upon that day and then we can be absolutely sure that when time is no more when this world has, is, is, is destroyed, that we can have part of that great world that God has made for them that love him and obey him and keep the Sabbath holy. Amen. Oh, friends, I beseech you with all my heart today, let's be sure that we keep our, this Sabbath today holy in our conversation, in our, in our talking with one another. Let's not talk about anything other than we could receive a blessing. What do you say? How many with me this morning would like to stand and say, from this Sabbath forward, I will, by God's grace and power, I will keep the Sabbath holy. Would you stand with me in that kind of dedication? Brother Roby, would you come up and pray with us? And I think that it's fitting that if we would kneel as we pray, and let's dedicate ourselves on this Sabbath day to worship of the great God of heaven. <clears throat> Eternal Father in heaven, we praise you, Lord, that we have the privilege to know and to do thy will. We ask that the Holy Spirit, Lord, will give us the power that we may be the sons and daughters of God, yes. that we may bring honor and glory to thy name. Amen and give the final message to a world dying all around us. Yes. That the world may know that thou art the God of heaven and the God of the Sabbath. Amen. Bless us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Praise Amen. God.